This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Welcome back. Today is Thursday. And our share on Thursday is a share in Sefer Mishlei. We're given by Rav Shlomo Dov Rosen. Thank you for joining us for our third shiur on Mishlei, Proverbs. In this Shi'ur we shall study the second half of the first chapter, which is the third poem of the book. It's a long poem, and holds a similarity with the previous one, in that the centerpiece of this poem, the middle two verses, are actually quite frightening. They are the most frightening verses we have in the whole book. However, like in our previous Shi'ur, I hope that a proper understanding of this poem will show that as a whole it is full of light and hope and that it teaches us some deep ideas about life and about how to make the most of it. Let's start at the beginning. Pasuk Kaf, verse 20 of the first chapter. Chochmot b'chutz tarona b'chovot titen kola בראש הומיות תקרא בפתחי שערים בעיר אמריה תומר. Wisdoms calls out in the outskirts. In the streets it gives its voice, or in the squares. At the top of the masses of people bustling, it calls out at the opening of the gates and in the city. עד מתי פתאים תאהבו פתי, וליצים לצון חמדו להם, וחסילים ישנאו דעת. Until when will you, idiots and fools, be interested in falling around only? תשובו לתוכחתי, הנה אביע לכם רוחי, אודיע דברי אתכם. Come back and listen to what I'm trying to express. יען קראתי ותמאנו, נתיתי ידי ואין מקשיב, ותפחו כל עצתי, ותוכחתי לא אביתם. Since I called out and you did not listen, and you just messed up everything I was trying to show you, גם אני בעדכם אשחק אל עד בבוא פחתכם, בבוא שואה פחתכם, ועדכם כסופה יעטה, בבוא עליכם צרה וצוקה, I'll scoff when it's hard for you. אז יקראוני ולא אענה, ישחרוני ולא ימצאוני. Then it will be too late, and I won't answer. Tachat kisan uda'at v'yirat Adonai lo b'charu. Because they hated knowledge, and they didn't show, choose closeness to God. Lo avu la'atzati na'atzu kol tochachti. They didn't listen to me. V'yochlu mipri darkam u'mimo'atzotehem yisba'u. They shall eat the fruit of their ways. Ki meshuvat p'tayim ta'abdem v'shalvat k'silim ta'abdem. They're messing about. The fools is what destroys them. However, those who listen will be secure. Now, this looks very frightening. Let's go slowly and think about the use of each word, its place in the poem, and what it can teach us. And I hope we will see that this poem is actually full of hope and is telling us revealing us to us some deep ideas about life and about how to develop. 
Let's start at the beginning and go slower. Chochmot b'chutz tarona. B'chobot titen kola. Before I translated it as wisdom's calls out in the outskirts. Of course, in English that doesn't make any sense. And to a degree in Hebrew it doesn't either. Chochmot is plural. Tarona, as the Miri points out, is singular. And whether or not you agree with that, B'chobot titen kola is clearly singular. So what is Chochmot? Chochmot means wisdoms in the plural. Wisdom throughout Mishlei can be understood as Torah, religious knowledge, or wisdom generally. However, when the word is in the plural as wisdoms, something very particular is being said. The Me'iri argues that it is a shame etzen. That is to say it's in the plural, but it's almost like a name. An example, of course, which we're all familiar with, where we use a word in the plural but speak about it in the singular, is the word Elohim, or almost all of the names for the divine. Elohim means the source of all powers. The powers. Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam We're talking in the singular. Ata. Because we're monotheists. However, Elokeinu means the powers that we believe in. That is to say that God is the one power who is the source, that which is behind all the different powers in the world. That's what the word Elohim means. So, Chochmot Bachut Tarona can be understood as the wisdoms, but in the singular. The source of all wisdoms. The unification of all wisdoms. That seems to be what the Meiri says. Rabbi Emanuel Aromi argues that it is the Chochma Elokit, that is to say, philosophy, metaphysics, spiritual knowledge. Now, this is important in relationship to the next poem. The poem we will get to in the next Shi'ur can be understood as a parallel to this. I believe that it is, but I would side with the position of the Ralbag, and we will hold by it throughout this Shi'ur. The position of the Ralbag is the opposite of Rabbi Emanuel Aromi. He says that it is Chochmatateva, natural knowledge, the knowledge of nature, and I would say also natural knowledge. The next poem, the one we will get to next week, which is the second chapter of Mishle, it deals with spiritual knowledge, Torah. However, before we get to spiritual knowledge, we have to search into, clarify what we can study, what we can understand from natural knowledge, the knowledge that comes out from the world itself, from our experience of the world. Chochmot b'chutz tarona, outside, not in the Beit Midrash, from the outside. Chochmot calls out from the outside. So Chochmot means the generality of all natural wisdom. And this shall become clearer later on, I hope. Chochmot b'chutz tarona, b'chobot itein kola. B'rosh homiyot tikra, homiyot means like homeh, bustling, loud, many people moving together. These two psukim, 20 and 21, speak about four states, four places where wisdom calls out. In the outskirts, in the rechovot, the squares or the streets, homiyot, 
the bustling areas, and Pitchei Sharim, and then Ba'ir. How to clarify these four is a bit hard. You can say there are five. However, it makes a lot of sense to suggest that we are dealing here with four states. The question is, are these four categories, or are these rather four levels? The Gaon of Vilna, the Vilna Gaon, says the following. We are talking about different types of people, but primarily a homing in on coming closer. And the way you can note that on these four levels is that we actually see four types of speech. Tarona, Kola, Tikra, and Tomer. Translated would be to call out, to give its voice, Titen Kola, Likro is to call to someone that one can see, and Tomer is to speak. And these are four levels. Tarona means to call out in, in the loudest sense, from far, to yell out. That's the people who are really far away. The next stage is Bachovoti Tenkola, to give its voice, to be heard a bit closer, but still at a distance. The third stage is Likro. To call, to call like you call somebody who you can see coming closer. And then the closest stage is Ba'ir Amareha Tomer. When you come into the city, it tells you what it's trying to say. And then we understand that it's like a camera in a film, homing in on a particular point. At the beginning, wisdom calls out from far, in the outskirts of the city. And then you come closer and closer and you hear it calling to you, personally. It can see you. And then when you come close to wisdom, it actually tells you what it's trying to say. This position, this way of reading the Pesukim, like a camera homing in on a particular point, fits very well with the general thought of the Gra, the Vilna Gaon, who understands that really the Torah says what it really wants to say in the Bet Midrash, close at hand. However, it can be heard from a distance. But when you hear it from a distance, you hear it somewhat muffled. You don't hear it clearly. You don't hear the exact content. And then you come closer to the Torah until you actually hear what it has to tell you. The Me'iri, who lived many hundreds of years before, understands this, these two psukim somewhat, um, somewhat by the nature of the Middle Ages in which he lived, Perhaps it fits, his understanding fits particularly a feudal society. He understands that we're talking about four classes of people. He cuts the four slightly differently. First you have outside. But not outside in the negative sense. Barchovot. Barchovot are the squares. Who sits in the squares of a city? Those are the respectable people. The next stage is Barosh Homiyot. Rosh Homiyot at the heads of the bustling areas. Homeh. That's to the masses. To the peasants. If the first was the aristocracy sitting in the Rechovot, the second is the peasants. The masses. 
The third is Pitre Sharim. Pitre Sharim are the city's gates. And who came, at least in the Middle Ages, to the city gates? The farmers, the tradesmen, coming from outside town. And the fourth is Ba'ir. Who is in the city? City people. In other words, we have here the four parts of society. You have here the aristocracy. You have here the masses, the homiyot. You have the pitre sharim, the people coming to market. And you have the fourth level, the people who live in cities. Those are the four classes of people. The Torah speaks differently to all of these different people. It's not a question of coming closer. It's that the Torah speaks in a different language and tries to express itself to everyone. If not Torah, then wisdom generally. Now we must ask ourselves, if so, if we understand like the Ralbag, that we're talking about natural wisdom, then what does it mean for it to express itself differently to each of these different classes of people, which perhaps in our generation would be classed differently, but the idea is the same. What would that mean? And if we're talking about natural knowledge that can be heard outside the city, Bachutz Tarona, calling out in the outskirts, in the fields, we're talking about something very natural that everyone has access to. Not something that has to be studied out of books. And what does this wisdoms, these several wisdoms, but in the singular, all call out to tell you? Ad matai pitayim te'ahavu feti veleitzim latzon chamdulahem uchsilim yisnu da'at These are three types of people. Until when will pitayim te'ahavu peti? This is fascinating. A petty, we have already seen, is somebody who is easily seduced. Petty, I mean, petty is somebody who can believe anything. He's very naive. He's simple. Not simple in a spiritual sense, but simplistic, childish, immature. The last thing we would have expected is to hear that he loves petty. He loves being simplistic. But actually, it's very true. People who are led astray, who are naive, might enjoy that state falling around what we might call inconsistency to love inconsistency love a life of falling around and this is direct parallel to what we have at the end and can be understood as we shall see as the falling around not having a set life not having any aim in life not trying to do anything with one's life so the first thing that natural wisdom, the, nature that, the, the wisdom that comes from nature itself calls out is to say people who are simplistic and naive who haven't given their life any form. Why do you enjoy this inconsistency? Why do you love petty, being seduced easily and jumping to the first thing that comes up? This is a completely different type of group. These are scoffers. They enjoy scoffing, that's quite natural. And a kasil is an idiot, but an idiot in the sense of somebody choosing to be such. They hate knowledge. Now these, these groupings will come up later. Let's move ahead. You can understand that these three groups that we have seen in the previous verse are parallel to three, these three. What are these three in Pasuk Kaf Tashuvu The first thing that wisdom says is 
come back to my admonishing. If we like, this is parallel to what we've seen all the time. Musa, boundaries, withholding yourself, controlling yourself. Tashuva letochachti, and the next one is very interesting. Hinei abia lachem ruchi. Behold, I will abia, express lachem to you, ruchi, my spirit. Both the word ruchi and the word abia are not usual in this context. Labia means to express, but it comes from the idea of welling up of waters from a spring. Ma'ayan novea, a spring which rushes with water, gives out. Ruchi is my spirit. What does that mean? Well, presumably, as Mephoshim point out here, the spirit here means my intention, what I'm trying to express. So what we're saying is that when one expresses one's intentions, one's innermost feelings, one's ruach, it is expressed like a spring wells up. Something from inside pours out. Now besides being very beautiful, this might relate particularly to certain forms of knowledge, natural knowledge. The, the coming close to God from the natural world which we're talking about here, that which calls out in the streets, that calls out in the outskirts of cities, not something that needs book study. And that comes out like the expression of one's innermost intentions. It comes out like a rush of water from a spring. That again was what the Ralbag told us. The Ralbag says, that we're taking, talking about the Chochmah which is Nova'at, which pours out from nature. And since the Ralbag is the one who said that Chochmah is talking about natural wisdom, we see here a theme in the Ralbag. He understands this whole poem is talking about how nature calls out to human beings, finds understandings of the depth of human experience, not something that you necessarily study in the Bed Midrash alone calls out and tells you to make something of your life and to come close to God. Tashuvu letochachti, first stage. Come back to my warnings, my admonishing. ruchi was the second stage. I'll express to you my innermost desires. I'll let it pour out to you. Odi is the highest level. I shall inform you of my words. I'll teach you something explicit and specific. But that's not what people did. And here we come to the frightening part. But again, as we said before, in the more frightening part of this poem, our aim is not to frighten ourselves, of course, but to try and understand the image which is being expressed here, the ideas that are being expressed here, the hopeful vision of life and how to do something with your life that we are being taught. Because, because I called out, as we have said throughout, wisdom is calling out, you refused. is interesting. To raise one's hand, Mephoshim understands either to punish, but maybe more likely to wave, to call back, to call somebody back when they're not listening anymore. You, you move your hand, you try to call the person back. Next stage, Kafhei, 
You ruined all my intentions, everything I was planning. And my admonishing you did not give in to. When things are hard for you, when things are terrifying and terrible, I'll scoff. Nowhere, nowhere in Mishle, and perhaps anywhere else, do we see something so frightening. And in a second we'll notice, who is talking? Why is it different to the rest of Tanakh? When things are really terrible, like a whirlwind, coming to destroy you. Kafchet 28 Then you call out to me and I will not answer. You'll wake up early and come to beg and you will not find me. Note, this is a direct inversion of a famous pasuk that we say all the time. They shall call out to me and I will not answer is the inversion of Tehilim Tzadi Aleph. Ikra'eni ve'eneu imo anochi v'tzara achartzeu v'achardehu. He will call out to me and I will answer him and I will save him. How do we understand? How do we solve this contradiction? We have two options. One is to say that in Tehilim Tzadi Aleph, like elsewhere, we're talking about somebody who is well behaved, who is doing the right thing. When you're good, you will be answered, and when you're bad, you're not answered. And there is some truth in that. However, it still doesn't fit with what we see throughout the Nevi'im, that when you call out to God, when you do tshuva, Hashem always answers. And the Me'iri struggles with this here in his perush. And what he says is that tshuva doesn't always clean up everything, perhaps as far as punishment is concerned, even if you become a better person, and even if you're considered good, still maybe some punishment might still exist, and these ideas do appear in other philosophers. However, it's still very, very hard. Because that's not at all the impression we get from the poem itself. The poem doesn't say, I'll answer you, but not 100%. It says, I won't answer. In my humble opinion, it's clear here that we must understand like the Ralbag, like we've been trying to explain it. We're talking about the natural desire for wisdom. Wisdom coming from the natural world and calling out to an individual to heed that which it can see. What you can see naturally, that which calls out to you from the natural world to make something of your life. Natural wisdom. Science, sociology, psychology. There's no turning back in that. We believe that anyone can do tshuva, anybody can repent, God will accept that tshuva always. However, we don't believe that necessarily you can turn, you can get into a time machine and turn the wheels back. You can't necessarily redo your life. If you didn't make anything of yourself intellectually, sometimes it can be too late. Spiritually speaking, you can become a perfect human being through tshuva. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the natural world, that which exists before we talk about tshuva. Spiritual knowledge, the Torah, that's the next poem. We'll get to it in the next shiur. However, now what we're talking about, what Mishle is coming to tell us is, first there is a natural call to God, a natural call to make something of your life, a natural call to develop yourself. And that natural call, that comes from nature itself, has nothing to do with the ideas of repentance, 
of changing afterwards of redoing things spiritually in the rational natural sphere there is no turning back and if one doesn't make anything of one's life if later one finds oneself ignorant and after destroying and not making anything of what one could have done with oneself there is no turning back this isn't God saying you'll call out and I won't answer it's natural wisdom saying there is no one to call out to anymore you can call out to God but right now we're not at that stage about talking about spirituality we're talking about that which is rational in the world because they hated wisdom and they did not choose the fear of God this is an exact proof of what we have just said it's not God speaking. Because then he would say, Yirati lo It's wisdom. As the first word in the poem says, Chochmot, the different wisdoms of the nat- natural and rational world. They say, this will befall you because you did not choose wisdom. Actually, you hated that. You hated knowledge. Yirat Hashem lo Never do we speak about Yirat Hashem as something you choose. But here you have to choose it. Because when it's a rational, natural question, in nature itself, the question is whether you choose to make something of your life. You choose to turn towards God. Pasuk Lamid, They did not take an interest in anything I was trying to express. My itzot, my plans, my suggestions. They hated all my admonishing, all my warnings. Note that Psukim Kaftet and Lamed that we have just read are a precise inversion of Psukim Kaftalit and Kafhe. Before we spoke about, we read, Ya'an karati vatmainu natiti adivein makshiv. I called out, you didn't listen. I moved my hand, no one listened. Vatifru kholatsti, you ruined all my atsati, my ideas I had for you, betochakti lo avitem and my admonishing. And here the same thing is said again. They hated the Da'at. They didn't take an interest in the Etzot and they hated all the Tochachot. And now we come to Pasuk Lamed Aleph which is one of the most important verses in Mishle. They shall eat from the fruits of their ways and their planning shall make them full shall satisfy them but in a negative way now this is a theme that begins in Mishle and is developed in Yeshayahu and Yermiyahu the idea of eating from the fruits of one's ways and this idea is a purely natural idea the Nevi'im say if you do not do tshuva you will eat from the fruits of your ways. Because the natural state is to eat from the fruits of one's ways. And in Mishlei, from Perakyud onwards, it continuously speaks about the natural side of things. How naturally, if you don't make anything of yourself, if you don't develop, you'll live a lower existence. And you always eat the fruit of your efforts. what happens to you doesn't happen from outside but from within although it's true as even in Mishnah it says Hashem acts upon you 
But the important thing is that Hashem acts upon you mostly in just making your efforts actually turn out to bear the fruit of the nature of your life, of what you made of yourself. If you see how this theme is developed elsewhere, in Yirmiyahu there's a real struggle over the issue. If in Yeshayahu, Perk Gimel, Pasuk Yud, we say, Prim which is very, very close to Mishle. In Yirmiyahu, we have five or six verses in various chapters where he struggles with the issue. For example, chapter 6, Pasuk 19, God is bringing upon them the fruit of their thoughts. So if it's the fruit of their thoughts, God doesn't need to bring it upon them. It's clear that in Yirmiyahu, he uses the metaphor of the fruits of actions differently. Note, chapter 17, Pasuk Yud in Yirmiyahu, V'latet le'ish kedrachav kifrim alalav To give a person like his ways, like the fruits, like the fruits, kifri, ufakatiti alechem kifrim alechem, as it says in 21.14, like the fruits, latetle aish kedrachav kifrim alalav in 32.19, and this is expressed most beautifully with a very different metaphor, in 13.25, in Yirmiyahu, ze goralech, in other words, what it's saying is, the goral, that which happens to somebody, is by their character, is by what they did. But it's meiti, it's from God. Because Yirmiyahu speaks in some of the places, in the, some of the later chapters, to people who have it good, people who are not suffering, people who don't realize what is about to befall them. Not everyone is like those he speaks to in the second chapter. Bet Yutet, that you can see from your own ways. You're suffering on your face. Anyone can read it on you because you've left God. No. Often it's like the fruits of your actions. It's like the fruits of your thoughts. He develops this metaphor from Mishle very differently. And why? Because Yirmiyahu is not dealing just on the natural realm. He is telling people, sometimes I can see it on your faces, but sometimes I can't. But no, I'm telling you as a Novi, as a prophet, it is about to be for you. You will get like the fruits of what you're doing to others, of what you're doing in the world. But here, you get the fruits themselves of your actions. In Mishlei v'yochlum mipridarkan, God brings you, God makes sure that one gets the fruit themselves of one's actions. Mishle is giving us an image of life which is purely natural, at least in some of its chapters, as opposed, for example, to Tehillim, where continuously we ask, That's in the seventh chapter, or in the fifth, You ask God to act on the world. In Mishle, we say, it is God acting, but God acts in a natural way. And when natural wisdom says they'll eat from the fruits of their ways, it's to be understood as the fruits themselves, not similar to them. Yeshayahu and Yirmiyahu take this idea from Mishle, and at least in Yirmiyahu he develops it to change it 
so that people can understand that it is the fruits of their ways. But sometimes you can't see it in reality because God's bringing it upon you. But here, we don't say, we don't need to bring in God bring it upon you. Later on in Mishlei we say it explicitly, but here we don't need to say it because it's natural. That's what natural wisdom teaches us. Things happen because of what you made of your life. And with this we've come to the last two verses. Before we spoke about the petty, loving, loving petty, loving ptayut, loving inconsistency, being naive. Then here we say, The question is, what does Meshuvah mean? Meshuvah, some understand, for example, the Mitzudot is quiet, and that fits with the second half of the verse, However, Meshuvah can have another meaning as well. And as the Ralbag again points out, To stray in the ways of one's heart. Shovav means to stray, like to come back and forth. Lechet, back and forth. So, the inconsistency, the straying, the moving back and forth of the petty, of the person easily seduced and simplistic, is what kills him, is what destroys his life. Why? Because that inconsistency which one enjoys so much is destructive. Because you lose any common theme to your life, you lose a plan for your life, you lose a form of creativity. All creativity must come in some kind of rigid form, like poetry itself. It's that messing about of the petty who is easily seduced, who every day takes an interest in something new. That's which destroys his life. And the relaxation, the quiet of idiots will destroy them. And that's fundamentally different. Like before we had Ksilim Yisnu'udat. Again, those who just hate knowledge, obviously that relaxation of not bothering is what destroys them. But in the first case, it's the petty, it's the person who's simplistic, the person who is easy, he's naive and easily seduced. What destroys him, what destroys his life, is not his quiet and relaxation. Actually, he's not quiet and relaxed at all. It's his rushing from one thing to another and not giving a common theme and not go, giving some kind of depth to his life and trying to develop. And this all comes out in the positive side in Pasuk Lamed Gimel, which is the last verse of the poem. And one who listens to me, to wisdoms, to natural wisdom, which teaches about God in the natural realm of things, that comes out of the natural world, where we see from nature itself, to make something of your life and to come close to God and to lifchot choose Yirat Hashem one who listens to that Yishkon Betach V'Shanan Mipachad Ra'ah I would suggest that this last phrase Yishkon Betach V'Shanan Mipachad Ra'ah mentioning these two issues is exactly parallel to the previous verse because parallelisms we have here throughout V'Shomeli one who listens to me Yishkon Betach will dwell Betach and what is Betach securely? It's the opposite of Meshuvat Ptayim. It's the opposite of the inconsistency of the petty. In other words, he's, the security is from inner insecurity, inner inconsistency from internal friction. Yishkon betach internally. V'sha'ana mipachad ra'ah is clearly from external friction. 
to be saved. Shanan means like Shalva. Shanan means relaxed, secure in the sense of undisturbed. He will be relaxed. He will be secure from pachadra'a, from fears of bad befalling him from outside. In other words, somebody who makes something of one's life, who listens to the call of natural wisdom, which calls out in the streets and outside the cities, not necessarily from the books, which calls you to make something of, li- of your life and come close to God and develop your life in, in a mature and sensible way. This is natural wisdom. It's not ne- necessarily spiritual. It calls you close to God in a rational and natural way. Those who listen to it will have the opposite of the petty and the opposite of the ksil. They'll have a yishkon betach, in other words, an internal relaxation, freedom from internal friction, will have security internally, a developed life, v'sha'anan mipachad and they will be saved from external friction. In the next chapter, which we shall get to, in the next shiur, we talk about the next stage, coming into spirituality itself. Have a good week.